0: Should Christians Keep the Sabbath Day? I'll begin by asking the simple question, did the church observe the Sabbath day following the resurrection of Jesus? I'll then talk about how the law is a shadow of things to come, and then I'll conclude by considering how there is a great Sabbath day which lies ahead for the Christian. Did the first century church keep the Sabbath following the resurrection of Jesus? As best as I can tell, Judas betrayed Jesus late on a Thursday evening. The trials of Jesus lasted from late Thursday night into very early Friday morning, and he was crucified from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. His body was buried early Friday evening, which was the beginning of Passover. He was raised from the dead on the Sunday following. A few women disciples came to the tomb very early to finish preparing his body since his burial took place very hastily on Friday afternoon. The resurrection of Jesus initiates a very important pattern. The Apostle John in his gospel account says the disciples of Jesus were gathered in one place on the night of his resurrection. John reiterates this took place on the first day of the week. John chapter 20, verse 19. John also records eight days later, which using inclusive reckoning places us at the Sunday following, Jesus appeared to his disciples when they were assembled a second time. You can read that in John chapter 20, verses 26 through 29. In the first century, Pentecost took place 50 days after the Passover. If the Passover began on a Friday evening, this means Pentecost began on a Saturday evening and ended on Sunday evening. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that the apostles were with one accord in one place when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So the Holy Spirit is poured out on the apostles while they are gathered together at around 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 15. So let's think about the evidence thus far. Jesus was raised from the dead on a Sunday morning. We see his apostles gathered together three times on three separate Sundays following his resurrection. The church then continues this pattern of gathering together on the first day of the week. Paul deliberately waited in Troas for seven days so that he could meet with the church when they gathered for the breaking of bread on the first day of the week. You can read about that in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Paul instructed the Corinthian church to keep the directions he gave to the Galatian churches by taking up a collection on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So, what conclusions can we draw from these examples? Without question, the resurrection of Jesus lies at the heart of his good news. As Paul argues in 1 Corinthians 15, without the resurrection, our faith in Jesus is meaningless. His resurrection on the first day of the week spurred the apostles to begin gathering on the first day of the week. The church then kept this pattern intact. We have no reason to believe the church met together on the Sabbath day. Now, Jesus customarily met with the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but this was prior to his death and resurrection. Paul met with various synagogues on the Sabbath day in order to preach about Jesus and to reason with his fellow Jews about the scriptures concerning the Messiah. But as far as the church gathering together for the purpose of worship on the Sabbath day, I cannot find a single example. The only examples of the church gathering together occur on the first day of the week. Which leads me to an important question. Why did the church abandon meeting on the Sabbath day? God rested from the creation of the universe on the Sabbath day. He consecrated the seventh day by commanding the Jews to refrain from working on that day. It was one of the Ten Commandments. Why is there no mention of the church meeting together on the Sabbath day? This was obviously an important day. Why did the church shift to meeting on Sundays? Well, because the law foreshadows what we have in Christ. Notice what God says about the Sabbath in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. When God first issued this command in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, He connected the weekly day of rest with His own rest on the seventh day of creation. But here in Deuteronomy 5, He reveals a second reason. God intended the Sabbath day to be a day of remembrance for the Jews. They were to remember how God redeemed their forefathers from their bondage in the land of Egypt. This implies the Sabbath was a unique feature of God's covenant with Israel. However, the Sabbath day as a day of remembrance foreshadows one practice of the early church. The church got together on the first day of the week to remember the death of Jesus. Just as Israel was redeemed from their bondage in Egypt, so too Christians have been redeemed from the bondage of sins. Paul says, We have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Peter says we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1.19 The Lord's Supper, which is sometimes called communion or the Lord's table, commemorates this redemption. Jesus says Christians eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of him. Paul goes on to say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26 The preponderance of evidence in the New Testament points to the church partaking of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Luke tells us that the church at Troas came together to break bread on the first day of the week. So just as Israel remembered her redemption from slavery in Egypt on the Sabbath day, so too the church remembered her redemption on the day Jesus rose from the dead, thus conquering sin and death. Which leads me to something Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. He tells us to let no one judge us in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come but the substances of Christ. Colossians 2:16 and 17. False teaching was working its way into the church at Colossae. Paul spends time in this book addressing some of the early manifestations of what would later become known as Gnosticism. In addition, the Colossian Christians were also under the influence of folks who held on to various aspects of the old law. The moral component of the old law was retained by Christ under the umbrella of loving God and loving one's neighbor. However, the ceremonial, liturgical, and sacrificial elements of the law were nailed to the cross with Jesus That's the point Paul emphasizes in Colossians 2. One of the elements which passed away was the various Sabbaths set aside under Moses. These Sabbaths, Paul says, foreshadowed Christ. Paul urges us not to follow the shadow, but to follow the substance, Jesus Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. Christians remember their redemption from sin on the day Jesus rose victorious from the grave. So the day of memory, the memorial that the Jews held every Sabbath, As they reflected back on the redemption, this is a foreshadowing of what the church experiences in Jesus. Jesus rose on the first day of the week, and the church remembers his death on the first day of the week, remembering the price that was paid for our redemption. The last thing I'd like to say about the Sabbath is there is a great Sabbath which lies ahead. In the third chapter of Hebrews, the writer warns us about the stubbornness of the generation who followed Moses out of Egypt. Over the course of a year, they found many ways to try the Lord's patience, but their ultimate failure was their refusal to invade Canaan. Because of their lack of faith, God swore, they shall not enter my rest. Please read Hebrews 3.11 and verses 18 and 19. Their lack of faith and obedience forced God to swear, they shall not enter my rest. So even though the children of Israel eventually conquered Canaan and spent many a Sabbath resting from labors, far too many never entered the rest which the Sabbath foreshadows. The writer of Hebrews observes that a promise remains of entering the rest of God. Just as God spent six days working and rested on the seventh, we too can believe and obey and thereby enter the rest of God. As the writer of Hebrews says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. The Sabbath day points to the eternal rest God extends to all who believe and obey Him. The writer of Hebrews exhorts us, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Chapter 4, verse 11. So the Sabbath day symbolizes heaven, the eternal rest promised by God. As I draw this to a close, let's go back to the original question. Should Christians keep the Sabbath day? The New Testament establishes a pretty clear pattern. Beginning on the day of Jesus' resurrection, we see the first century church getting together on the first day of the week. One of the purposes for the church gathering on the first day of the week was to commemorate their redemption from sin by partaking of the Lord's Supper. The Sabbath, like the laws, dietary restrictions, festivals, and liturgical calendar, all of these foreshadowed what Christ ushered in with his death on the cross. The Sabbath rest is ultimately fulfilled by the eternal rest God promises to those who are faithful. So I don't see any reason why a 21st century Christian should keep the Sabbath. It, like other elements of the old law, has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.